You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Do apologize for the late start. I had pressed record and was ready to go and realized I was missing a massive resource that I needed. Shout out to big old Nathaniel D. Bushmaster for uh, helping me out. But um, the, the basic premise for today, not that it's going to be necessarily a short episode, but I want it to be kind of a more light work kind of a day. Got a lot going on and whatnot. And um, so what I wanted to do is look at the NFL draft and do kind of an NFL draft primer. This is probably going to take actually kind of a kind of a long time as I'm thinking through it. So it may be kind of an offense slash defense thing. In other words, we'll split it up. But just to kind of look through some of the prospects and get some insights into who, what, when, where, why. And we'll do position by position. Um, speaking of light work, while I was waiting for this resource to come through, I did a YouTube video. So keep an eye out for that. Um, it's actually kind of interesting. It's sort of a peek behind the curtain. In fact, that's kind of what it's called. But just to look at how I do the mock drafts when I do them. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check that out. It, it's very, it's a very involved process, but I do like it because I'm um, weird that way. But if you're all curious, and it's also got some uh, some tips if you like doing mock drafts or want to get started, maybe dabbling in it, um, show a lot of the resources that I use and pay for and whatever. But that's what we're doing today. And again, you probably know based on the title better than I do what it is we're doing today, but I'm going to, as of this moment, shoot for getting through the offensive prospects. If it goes quick, we'll go through more than that. If it goes slow, we'll just do that. So at this particular point in time, I have 449 college prospects. Um, I'm doing a pretty good job of cleaning up who's staying and who's going back to school. Some of these guys may not be uh, prospects, but I don't think we're going to be going deep enough to find a lot of them. So uh, 449 different prospects, as I said. We'll start with quarterback because it's going to go really quickly because it doesn't really matter. But I want to touch on all the positions just, again, to kind of get people caught up on what the situation is so that you're prepared for the first round, et cetera, of the NFL draft from from this point in time. Things will change, obviously. This is only mid-February. But um, at this point in time, this is what it is. So the consensus right now, is that Trevor Lawrence is far and away the best prospect. Now, some people want to say that that's not necessarily the case, and they want to argue that. But for the most part, I saw somebody yesterday say he's going to be a bust because of X, Y, and Z. I think he's just doing nonsensical things. But from every credible resource that I've seen, and that's not to say he won't be a bust. Things can happen, but um, based on all the best available information, he is far and away the best. He's a generational talent. He's... The next, you know, fill in the blank of your favorite uh, quarterback. Strangely enough, um, as many years as I've been doing this, which I think is three, but maybe four, I don't know, of tracking big boards. And I've got, let's see, I think 19. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yes, 19. I have more than 19 boards, but what I do is I delete all the boards and start over. And if you don't have a... Um, new updated big board in the last month, you, you're not going to make the cut for this one. So there's 19 updated big boards. Every single one of them has Trevor Lawrence number one overall. Now, there is a lot of groupthink in um, in this realm, but I've never seen that before. Even, you know, the, the you know, Nick Bosa and, and whoever else that we've seen over the years, there's always somebody that has somebody uh, higher. I've never seen every single person have Trevor Lawrence. And, and even in, earlier on in this process, some people had had other people, you know, Penny Sewell, whatever. But as of right now, consensus number one, um, very little possibility that he that he goes anywhere other than the number one spot to the Jacksonville Jaguars. There is some talk that because the Jaguars hired the Ohio State coach that he's going to take the Ohio State quarterback um, but I don't see any reason to assume that. I think you have an Ohio State quarter or coach who saw one of the greatest quarterback prospects of all time, realizes that not now he doesn't have to play against him. He gets to be his coach and um, make that leap and, and, you know, 
It's a great. I mean, if you're going to make the leap to the NFL, which is something that you know, if you're a high-level college coach, you're probably never going to do. But if you're going to do it, it needs to be the exact perfect perfect opportunity. And uh, you go to a place where the GM is going to pretty much get you whatever you want, and you get one of the best quarterbacks to come out of college in forever, and you realize this guy's going to be your ticket. You're not getting fired for a long time because you and Trevor are just going to sail off into the sunset. You know in 20 years like well not like Brady and Belichick that's not how that turned out but still it's it's going to be a great situation so I don't buy the Justin Fields thing and I don't think anybody else does either with that said that's where the sort of uh this is where things get complicated um because Justin Fields has slightly fallen down the boards it used to be that he was a relative consensus number two overall pick you know, a lot of people said Penny Sewell was the number two, but still he's a quarterback and all that kind of stuff. On top of that, not only has he fallen from the number two spot to the number five spot, but quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU is coming up the boards rapidly. And right now you have Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields out of Ohio State at five and Zach Wilson at six. Interestingly enough, you have more people that like Zach Wilson more than you have people that like Justin Fields, you know, really highly. What I mean by that... You've got um, GBN has Zach Wilson number two overall. You have PFF has Zach Wilson number two overall. Um, nobody has Justin Fields number two overall anymore. They used to. They don't anymore. You've got uh, the Draft Network has Justin Fields at three. You've got PFF has him at three. Huddle Report at three. Draft Diamonds at three. And that's that's about it. And a bunch of people have Zach Wilson at three also. In fact, probably the only reason Zach Wilson isn't already higher is because Walter Cherapinski over at Walter Football has Zach Wilson number 32 overall. He's very slow to come around. I know some of you are saying you sh- shouldn't be using him anyways, but I'm going to. I know he's not, you know, top of anyone's list anymore, but he's still a pretty good resource. But if, if he ups his board even a little bit, he's going to leapfrog Justin Fields in about two seconds because the lowest Justin Fields is is 14 at CBS, and the lowest Zach Wilson is outside of 32 by Walter is uh, 11 by Draft Diamonds. Draft diamond, whatever. And so, obviously, these boards don't necessarily correlate to what teams are going to do, but in terms of what I've been quote-unquote hearing, i.e. reading in articles, is if Zach Wilson, um, if he interviews well, that's the word I'm looking for, if he interviews well, he's going number two overall. I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's now the rumor floating around. All he has to do is make sure he doesn't bomb these interviews and he's going number two. So that obviously makes Justin Fields the number three quarterback. And and this is sort of the one, two, three in terms of um, they're going to go real fast. And, you know, a lot of the mock drafts out there, they got Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith going, you know, two, three, four, whatever. I think that's silly. Wide receiver going number three overall is insane to me. If you don't want a quarterback or Penny Sewell and you want somebody else, you trade back. And somebody else is going to want to come up. I would just be stunned if one of these wide receivers goes number three overall to Miami or whatever. I think that four guys that are going to go first are Trevor Lawrence, Penny Sewell, uh, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. In what order, I don't know. I tend to think Trevor Lawrence goes number one. Um, I'm sticking with Justin Fields because that's what it is now. Justin Fields goes two. It also seems to be the safer pick because he's been dominating college football for like four years or however long it's been. Zach Wilson is a new arrival. He had one really breakout year, but there's a lot more question marks. Then I think Miami takes uh, Penny Sewell. A lot of people disagree. I don't care. And then somebody, whether it's the Falcons taking him or somebody trading up for that spot, is going to take Zach Wilson at four. That's my thought process on that. Um, immediately after that, he's much further down the board, much more question marks and whatnot. But the other um, the other sort of top-end quarterback is Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. And I think a lot of the reason he's not up as high as everybody else is because he plays at North Dakota State. He is sort of the modern NFL quarterback. The guy can run. I mean, Trevor Lawrence can too and everything else. But when you're talking Trey Lance, you're talking about a guy that runs for about as many yards as he throws for. So he's sort of next level. You know, we're, we're, we're closer to Lamar Jackson territory where you're trying to figure out what exactly he does better. More than likely, he's going to go in the top 10. Um, Carolina is sort of his number one destination right now. Generally, he's trading, you know, people are trading up to get him. People have Carolina trading up with, for example, Cincinnati, just as an example. But but he's he's that kind of a prospect. In other words, he's probably not, for example, on the board, he's 12th overall. But because he's a quarterback, somebody's going to trade up in the top 10 to go get him. Um, and it's going to be a reach, but he's a quarterback, and that's what you do. 
After that, you really have one other quarterback that's worth talking about, and that's Mac Jones. It used to be Kyle Trask was kind of mid to late first, and then Mac Jones was kind of later on in the second round, but possibly could sneak up. Now Mac Jones is kind of flying up a little bit. He's currently sitting on my board at 26. Um, He is ranked as high as 16th overall. Several people have him him in the first round. And nobody's super low on him. Uh, There's two different boards that have him at 46 overall. So not bad at all. On average, he's sitting at 30. The real problem, and this is why it's going to be interesting, because so we assume that we've got four quarterbacks going in the top 10. That leaves us some questions about uh, teams like Washington and, of course, the Chicago Bears. Now, there's a lot of talk right now about Chicago going real hard after quarterbacks, and the Colts as well because they're in that spot. In fact, Washington, Chicago, and Indianapolis are all right in the line 19, 20, and 21, all basically competing for Mac Jones if they even like the guy. So my contention would be, unless the NFL just really doesn't like Mac Jones, if somebody actually does like him as a mid-first-round pick, somebody's going to go relatively early because Washington is ready to take him at 19. Right? Again, we're, we're assuming that. And even if they don't want to, Chicago doesn't know and Indy doesn't know. If Chicago or Indy wants them, they're probably going to have to make a move just in case Washington wants them. And even Washington, if they want them, they're probably going to trade up. This is why usually quarterbacks that go in the first round, people are trading up for them because somebody is is planning on leapfrogging you to get him, and so you better go up and get him. So, I mean, he could go, I mean, as early as 13 to the Chargers just because a team wants to move up and get him, and the Chargers want to move back to a better spot to get an offensive lineman, depending on, again, who's available or whatever. The The issue, though, is after Mac Jones, there's nothing. There's just nothing for you. Kyle Trask has fallen all the way to 54. After that, i got to go all the way down to 122 with Jamie Newman and 127 with Kellen Mond. So we've got our first-round picks, and then we got one guy until we're talking third, fourth, fifth-round prospects. So you can kind of understand the flurry. Granted, you know, if, if you're getting a guy in the second or third round, he's probably not going to be that good anyways, but at least you have those prospects. At least you have a Jalen Hurts, right? The Eagles had that option, they took him, and they might have a franchise quarterback now. That just really doesn't exist with this draft. There aren't a lot of, you know day two options in the draft. So that's kind of the overall primer of these quarterbacks. If we move on to wide receiver, it used to be the case that it was very deep um, in terms of it doesn't matter where you're picking, you're going to get a a great wide receiver. It's kind of thinned out and and it's become more top heavy. Now there's still a billion wide receivers in the entirety of this draft, obviously. Um, the, The bigger question though is where the Packers are it's not as great as it was. And, and again, who knows how it's going to end up, but a lot of these guys that were further down are, are just really crowding up at the top. Jamar Chase is number three. Devontae Smith is number four. Jalen Waddle is number nine. So, again, you, you, you instead of having a, a bunch of options, those three guys are just gone and off the table just instantly. Then there's a drought until number 23, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, which is probably going to be out of the Packers' reach, especially when you got this big drought between 9 and 23. Any quarter, uh, wide receiver hungry team is going to take them a little bit early. And so what used to be the case was that there's so many wide receivers, it starts to, starts to bottleneck, right? You got, you got wide receivers that are falling further than they should because there's so many options. That's not quite the case anymore. And instead, it might actually be the opposite. If anybody from pick, you know, I don't know, 11 through 20 wants a wide receiver, they're going to take somebody too early. And so then you come all the way to Kadarius Tony, who, um, you know, a lot of mixed reviews. Some people love Tony. Some people can't stand Tony. But he's right in that zone, right at 29 currently, 5'11", 194. Kadarius Tony. So Rashad Bateman is sort of your, your typical X receiver, right? He's not... He he's just he's he's your Devonte. Not saying he's that talented. Just 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 that style. Six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds. Kadarius Tony is 5'11", 194, and and I've said, and I know it's not the greatest comp size wise, but he, he's kind of if, if you were to compare him to somebody, especially if you're interested in his ability to run the ball and and run the jet sweeps and things, he's more of a a Ty Montgomery type runner. In other words, when he ran the ball, and he did, he typically just lined up as a running back and ran the ball. So he wasn't actually in on a lot of, you know, jet sweeps and those kinds of things. Not that he can't do it. I'm just saying if you see he had rushing yards and things, it's it's a different 
type of running that you're than you're thinking of. He is a, a yards after the not only yards after the catch but yards after contact monster. He absolutely annihilates in that category. Um, and then you come to Rondale Moore again, sort of a smaller slot guy. Now a different style of smaller slot guy, right? Kadarius Tony is more of a physical. Again, he's not built that way, but he's more of a physical style wide receiver, which fits probably what the Packers are looking for. Rondale Moore is the kind of wide receiver that a lot of us would just love to have. He's more of your Randall Cobb. He's smaller, he's shifty, he's just going to get real quick, he's going to get open real fast, and he's going to catch the ball, and that's it. Um, After that, we come all the way down to 37. You have Terrace Marshall, who's sort of one of the few bigger body guys, 6'3", only 200 pounds, so he doesn't exactly fit the prototype of, of, you know, the 6'4", 220-pound guys that Matt LaFleur likes. But at least he's tall. You know, you can get him to do some push-ups and add some weight or whatever. But I think a lot of Packer fans like him for that reason. Then there's another big gap coming all the way down to Amon Ross St. Brown, who's fallen down to 51. You've got Elijah Moore, who I'm a huge fan of. He's one of the guys I mentioned on this podcast a long time ago. Told you to watch out for him, like, right before he blew up. So I'm proud of that little nugget. But, again, 5'9", 184. So if the Packers are looking for smaller, shiftier guys, there's a lot of options. Otherwise, you know, you're looking at your Amon Ross St. Browns, who's, again, he's kind of small. He's only, he's six foot one, which is fine, but 195 is kind of smaller. Terrace Marshall's 6'3", but only 200 pounds. I mean, there's a whole lot of tall, skinny guys, I guess. I don't know. Um, some other names beyond that, because you probably heard those names that are on here. Tylen Wallace is a name that kind of as a, a throwback. You know, he used to be sort of a late first-round option. He's fallen, obviously, into the second, possibly third round. Tutu Atwell is absolutely a guy that I like a lot. The biggest issue, 5'9", 156, but if you're looking for the jet sweep guy, if you're looking for a better version of a Tavon Austin, it's Tutu Atwell. 100,000%. If you want to go check that out, go check that out because that's uh, 100% an option. He is, um, I mean, he, he's that guy. I even reached out to Mark Jarvis, and I'm like, does anybody else kind of do this a lot that you can think of as far as like doing a ton of these jet sweeps and everything else he's like not really I mean it's pretty much Tutu is that guy so um I'm a huge fan of of uh and Tutu is not his real name it's uh what is his name Chartarius or something Atwell but you know we're going with Tutu I guess so again it's not like quarterback where there aren't options I mean you can't go more than 10 picks without finding wide receivers so I guess from that standpoint it is relatively quote-unquote deep but I, I guess just from the first-round standpoint, it's not as promising as it used to be where you'd have a wide receiver at 19, at 24, at 28, at 32, at 37. I mean, there's just so many wide receivers. And, again, they tend to bottleneck, so you're probably getting a better wide receiver because there's just more wide receivers than there are teams that are willing to draft wide receivers, so they start to fall. But that's not as much the case anymore. Um so it, it's it's not so much that you're going to get this top-tier guy to fall to us in the first round, but if we don't get a first-round wide receiver, there's always wide receivers. I mean, again, one of the bigger gaps is Tyler Vaughn's at 173 to DeMonte Coxie at 194, but otherwise it's, I mean, 195, 203, 212, 214, 217, 218, 236, 245. I mean, it's just every other pick is wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. So there's a lot of them. There's a lot of options at wide receiver. So, and and, and the Packers understand this. So they're not going to feel pressure to, they're going to do what they have to do. And if they really like a wide receiver in the first round, they'll do it. But um, they're not going to feel a ton of pressure to have to get a wide receiver. If we come over to tight end, it's a pretty thinned out class, man. I mean, you got Kyle Pitts, who's sort of a generational talent. He should be almost guaranteed to go top 10 and a lot of mock drafts even the ones that I do I can't get him to go in the top 10 but I think it's going to be one of those things where a team just takes him because he's just that good um he might be one of the better receivers in this entire class just an absolute freak of a human being after that it's just it's not good I mean you got Pat Fryermuth who's a second round pick I've watched him I mean he kind of reminds me of Cole Komet a little bit I mean he's just he's he's I've, I've mentioned it before he reminds me of like Jimmy Graham in his later years. I mean, he's just a big old dude, big long arms, and great hands. I mean, he's got suction cup hands are probably, you know, three feet across, but it's nothing all that great. One of the guys I do like that's actually fallen down the boards quite a bit that I think is worth considering, and I know tight end isn't everybody's top um, priority because everyone's, you know, fairly fine with it. I I do tend to think it might be an option. It's kind of a, a muddled position for the Packers. Because you got one guy that broke out 
And there's the question of, you know, was this a scheme thing that if, you know, if we got a real top tier tight end, it would take it even to the next level, like George Kittle level? Or is he the real deal? And on top of that, we still want like a second tight end. Do we have that? Do we want to give Jace more time? Because he clearly has not been doing very well. We also have DeGuara that we want to see. So maybe we're just good at the position. Or maybe it's a critical position and we don't know if we have really anybody. You know, again, we had Tunyon and everyone gets excited about Tunyon, but he had, what, like four good games? He's not exactly the kind of guy like Devontae that on a game-to-game basis he's going to take over. I don't I don't know if we, we, did we even see him down the last 10 weeks? Not very much. So I do think it's sort of an option. Brevin Jordan, I'd really love to see his 40 times 6'3", 245 is kind of a smaller guy. But if he's got that, that next level speed, I, I love watching him. Brevin Jordan gets me excited. I don't anticipate him going in the first round necessarily, but he's as high as on these boards, 27. Um, somebody had him at 27. Otherwise, you know, 40s, 41, 49. There's a 58, if another 58. On average, he's at about 67, so he might be a third-round pick. But, but again, that goes to show you, you've got one extremely early first-round pick. You've got kind of a mid-second-round pick, and then maybe nothing until the third and even then you got brevin jordan hunter long is at 86 so we're already getting into like the fourth round not quite but close to it and then we got to go geez 126 kenny yaboa uh tommy tremble at 131 and i've gone through some of these guys before in terms of um their their attributes and whatnot so i don't want to do that exactly right now kind of just looking at the updated board but extremely thin extremely but again one of the benefits is if we're just looking for that sort of uh, dominant blocking tight end. And I think I listed Tommy Tremble as one of those guys. He's currently sitting at about, on average, 140. You can get him super late. But if, if you need a tight end, it's just it's a terrible draft. Running back again, we, we I don't know who's staying and who's going, but it's another one that I would be kind of surprised if we took one early. Um, but it's not a super stacked draft anyways if you look at the mock draft simulators you'll find that in the later rounds they tend to bottleneck and that seems to happen every year i don't know if it's just the way that these things um you know just because they're devalued or how that works but um again there's options later not a ton of top end options you got Najee harris and travis etn are the top two guys harris is out of alabama etn is out of clemson both extremely talented guys, but nothing we need to really worry about. Javante Williams is the one that people really like. It's going to probably have to be a second-round pick, and that's assuming he even, actually, to be honest, it might even need to be a first-round pick because he won't make it to our second. But he's the first one that I've seen a couple people get excited about. After that, and again, the, the exciting thing is we don't need an every-down guy. That's what we drafted A.J. Dillon for in the second round. Those guys are rare. Finding guys that can do what you need, which, I mean, if you can get a, get a guy that can be there in first down, second down, third round, can can block for you and can be a receiver, you've got everything you need. Well, we know this guy can do 20-plus carries. We've seen him catch passes, even if he's not super polished. We know he has that ability. And if we can kind of clean up the pass blocking, which every running back needs to work on a little bit because you're not built to go up against pass rushers. I don't care how big you are. You know, even you know if you're a 240-pound running back, just pure muscle, you're still going up against a 260-pound guy that gets paid to do this for a living. Even if, he's, even if it's the same size, you get a smaller edge rusher at 240. I still take the pass rusher against you nine times out of ten. But the Packers are just kind of looking for a compliment, which is going to open things up a little bit to where you don't need to go in the first round to get, as much as it would be nice to have a guy like Travis Etienne, it's just unnecessary. You're looking for a compliment. So you come down the list, you got Michael Carter out of UNC at 76, Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. I've seen a lot of people really like 5'11", 191, as high as 23rd on, on one of these boards. You got Chuba Hubbard, a lot of people like a lot. And then, of course, um, the one that would send everybody. There's a lot of Ohio State fans that are Packer fans, which is strange to me, but I've made that observation. Um, but Trey Sermon is somebody that a lot of people are excited about, and, and no question he would be a really awesome compliment. He's currently sitting at 106 overall. Um, he had a massive jump because he had some really big games down the stretch. And so there's a lot of volatility. You'll have, you know, one board has him at 78 overall. Another one has him at 65 overall. But then somebody else has him at 132. So they're they're really split on where to have him. But again, this is how you get some really quality running backs. And we've seen that. I mean, a lot of running backs around the NFL are from all different rounds. It's not like quarterback or tackle where it has to come early or edge rusher. Running backs, I mean, 
there's a ton of third, fourth, fifth, sixth round running backs that are talented. So it's another one you can have uh, a decent amount of uh, confidence in. It's not quite as stacked as wide receiver, but there's still a lot. And they, they kind of come in patches, right? There's a gap, and then you get Jarrett Patterson, uh, Demetric uh, Felton, Kylan Hill, Jamar Jefferson, and Khalil Herbert, all just in this bunch. Then there's a gap, and you get, jeez, uh, you're killing me with this, Ramondre Stevenson, Javion Hawkins, and Elijah Mitchell in a bunch. So there's plenty to choose from. Uh, as far as first round, though, we're kind of just looking at Najee Harris and Rashad Bateman, and because they're running backs, they're, they're probably going to fall a little bit further. It was kind of locked in place, and there, there are some options. I mean, you could have as early as the Cardinals possibly, although that's unlikely because, again, there's other bigger needs, like the Cardinals need corner. The Steelers were kind of a lock for running back for a while, whether that was Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, but the offensive line has become such an abomination, uh, as well as needs at quarterback if they decide to go that route and like somebody at wide receiver if they like somebody it just it's it's becoming less likely that they take a running back meaning if somebody takes a running back it's probably going to be one and it's going to be at the end of the first round and somebody's going to get a steal in the second round I think we could probably do this in a day um, offensive tackle I mentioned Penny Sewell is going to go very early almost a guarantee he goes top five not necessarily I have seen some mocks where he falls to the Bengals I guess that would still be top five. So he's definitely going to go top five. I was thinking the Bengals are at six, they're at five. After that, there's been a ton of shakeup. Again, there used to be kind of a bunch of tackles everywhere. Now we're down to Rashawn Slater. And, and it's not bad for the Packers necessarily, but again, it's not great. It, it, it used to be a lot better. So again, you got Penny Sewell. Then you have to wait a little bit and you get Rashawn Slater at 13. You get Christian Derrissaw at 15. So these guys are gone. Then you got to wait until Alex Leatherwood at 31. So according to what we have here, you've got guys that are going to go early, and then you've got, you know, a guy that's not, it's a little bit of a reach. But there are some other options, and I think that there's some really interesting options. For example, Jalen Mayfield, now technically a reach based on this board, but you have Jalen Mayfield ranked as high as 20th, 26th, 22nd. 26th, 20th, 22nd, 26th, 24th. So a lot of people look at this and say Jalen Mayfield would be a great pick for the Packers and a, a borderline steal, depending on some of these boards. And, and I mean, according to some of these boards, he may be gone. Same is true with Leatherwood, 22, 24, 27, uh, 24, 25, uh, 13 even. And that's kind of what's exciting about some of this is there's going to be some surprises that you just don't see coming. Samuel Cosme out of Texas has fallen. He used to be a lock near the top 10. Now he's down into the second round, but as high as 16, 25, 26. So on, on one hand, if you just look at the board as it is, there's not a lot of good options for the Packers. But really, there's a lot. There's a lot of guys here that the Packers might. It's just a question of what do the Packers think. There's another guy that uh, recently was mocked to the Packers. Um, I, I forget if it was Brugler or who it was. Somebody had released their second mock, and they had the Packers taking Tevin Jenkins. And I had somebody reach out and say, what do you think about this? And I hadn't really looked into it because Tevin Jenkins has largely been a second-round prospect. Now, whenever a big-name person puts a guy that's a second-round prospect in a mock in the first round, they're probably going to move up. So this is probably good because, again, there's groupthink, and I don't want to be on the outside, and I want to pretend I know what I'm talking about. Some of these guys will stick to their guns. Other guys are going to just do whatever everybody else is saying. But I looked into it, and it makes a lot of sense. First of all, some of these guys are, are honest and genuine and have liked him all along. He's as high as 23 here by uh, GBN. He's as high as 26 by PFF, um, 27 by Dane Brugler, and then 30th, which is relatively close by Daniel Jeremiah. It might have been Daniel Jeremiah's mock that did that. Um, but Tevin Jenkins is in that realm. And then when I looked into him, I really liked it. Um, Oklahoma State, six foot five, three ten. He's a really good pass blocker, doesn't give up a lot of pressures. But on top of that, he's one of the best run blockers in all of football. I think he was the third highest graded run blocking offensive tackle. The other two that were ahead of him, Brady Christensen, who I've talked about a lot, who grades out unbelievably high, and I don't know why he's so far down the boards. And the other one, I think, was uh, Derisaw, maybe, out of Virginia Tech, who's going to be gone. So Tevin Jenkins makes a ton of sense. And again, according to this, he's a mid-second-round pick, but that's just an aggregate. That's just an average of a bunch of people with a bunch of different opinions. Some other guys that are possible that you don't hear about a lot, Liam Eikenberg, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. And again, a lot of people are going to get upset because it's like, oh, he's a second-round pick. Well, according to some people, 
Eichenberg is 30th on a board. He's 35th. He's not super first-roundy, but close enough to where a team might like him enough to take him. You got Dylan Radins, Radins, however you say it, uh, offensive tackle out of North Dakota State, 6'5", 298, uh, sort of a smaller, leaner guy. Not a ton of love, but he's as high as 32 on some of these boards. As far as kind of more consensus second round, which even, you know, Eichenberg and Radins, Radins, whatever, are as well. But Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, 6'5", 345, big old boy. Um, disliked by some, but others, I mean, he's right in that second round range, 43, 42, 47. You got Walker Little, who scares the living daylights out of me. I'd be shocked if he goes this early just because of his age and injury history, but um, used to be just an app. I mean, he was a lock, border. I mean, probably top 10. If he had come out a long time ago and not had as many injury issues, I think he got injured and decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school because that injury is going to mess me up. And if I just go back, stay healthy, and dominate, I'm going to be a you know a top five pick and everything will be fine. He got hurt again. And so the guy just kept going back to school. He kept getting hurt, and now he's got... Now he's older, and he has a bunch of injuries under his belt, and he really kind of messed himself up. But anyway, 6'6", 313. Um, I mean, he's even as high as 35. It wouldn't be impossible for a team to take a swing at Walker Little, although, again, I doubt it. But uh, another second-round option if the Packers don't get a, quarter, uh, a tackle in the first round. Now, it does start to massively thin out after that. You've got So you got that pile in the first and second round. I mean, we're talking a ton. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 prospects that are first and second round prospects. That's pretty solid. Then you go from Walker Little at 70, you got to go all the way down to James Hudson at 104. After that, you got Brady Christensen down at 116, another gap down to 133, and then another massive gap down to 160. So we're, I mean, we're, it's a 30 person gap, that's an entire round. So we're down into the one or two per round offensive tackles, and we're already getting into the realm of, um, you know, guys that we're not, rounds that we're not super excited about with tackles anyways. So I do think if the Packers are taking a tackle, it has to be first two rounds, not just based on the fact that talent massively drops off for tackles, um, but based on the fact that there just aren't a lot of human beings that are that good in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. There's just not many guys. So if the Packers are going to be taking a tackle, and I do think that's probably relatively high on their list of things, even if it's not, you know, number one priority, I think it is still a massive priority um, for the future. Which, by the way, that's going to absolutely drive the Packer drive Packer fans nuts. If they take a tackle in the first round, and Billy Turner starts a tackle because this tackle is a long-term guy, not a not a short-term guy, which is entirely possible. Packer fans are going to lose it, absolutely lose it, and and. That's kind of fair. I mean, I understand the pick if that's what it is because you have to start planning for it, but I, I could definitely understand being upset about that. Uh, looking on the interior, and, and again, it kind of depends what the plan is for the Packers in terms of who's staying and who's going. It, tackle might not be an issue. Maybe it's guard that's an issue. Maybe it's center that's an issue. I, I, I don't know. But, and, and this is another position that's in a lot of flux, but as of right now, the highest rated guard is Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, 21st overall. And again, this is my aggregate board. This isn't like gospel or anything, but it is sort of if you took all the the thought out there in the interwebs and pooled it together, this is what you would have. Um, he's up as high as, let's see, 17, 16, 14 is the highest that I can see. Daniel Jeremiah has him at 14 overall. So more than likely he's going to be gone. I, mean, I do see him as low as 34, 32, 42, 43, or 33. Um, another guy that's really popular, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. He's a big dude, six foot three, three thirteen. The problem is, again, you got your two guys that are probably gone, and then nothing until you get to Trey Smith at fifty three. Then I got nothing until ninety nine Deontay Brown. It is an unbelievably thin interior group. Now it's nice that you can wait on it, but the problem is there's a real good chance you get to the next round and there's nobody. Kind of similar to what happened with the Packers and wide receiver. Like, all right, we kind of want to get a guard. You come here, and it's like there's nobody here. I mean, there's a gap. Tommy Kramer, 189. There's nobody else until Kendrick Green at 239. That's kind of crazy. That's a 50-person gap from guard to guard. That's crazy. There's another one from David Moore at 242 down to Greg Island at 297. Another 50-person gap. So there's not a lot here. Now, maybe you could take a tackle and put him inside, whatever, but it's, uh, it's pretty thin. Finally, looking at center, if we decide to go that route, I mean, you could keep 
Elton Jenkins at guard, draft to center, and move on from Corey Lindsley is an option. Technically, you've got Creed Humphrey at 46, which is to say there's really no first-round talents. Creed was kind of an early, mid-to-early first-round prospect for a while, but he is falling. After that, you got Landon Dick- Dickerson out of Alabama, real high-character guy. You know, He went out there with his busted knee or whatever and played, so um, played for a really big program, so he's going to be a very well-liked guy. Uh, you got Josh Myers at 71, so kind of day two you've got like three big guys, but that's it. There's no first-round talents. And then after Josh Myers, you got to go all the way down to 119 where you got the Whitewater boy, Quinn uh, Miners. still don't even know how to say the guy's name. Obviously, Packer fans, myself included, would be really excited if Quinn became a Packer. But uh, all that to say, again, not a huge amount of options. you got Trey Hill at 123, and then another giant gap down to Michael Minette at 170. So between center and guard on the interior, there's just not a, a lot of, of – option you know compare that to wide receiver and running back where there's always a guy sitting there whether or not that's your top option you want to go that direction fine but um garden center might be weird because it's one of those things where you don't feel a lot of strain to want to go out and get one but this year that might be a little bit different just based on the lack of talent in this draft class um for those positions anyways why don't we take a break here we'll come back and look at defense um, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so at Packernet, uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. There's a link somewhere. Brain is fried. I just did a YouTube video, and now I'm doing a podcast, and I got a lot of other stuff going on. So uh, any and all support in any and all ways that you can do so, please do so. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, defense. It is not the best year in the world for uh, for teams that need defense for the second year in a row maybe third year in a row now i can't remember um offense heavy very offense heavy which is fairly good for the packers we need offensive line wide receiver and some stuff like that um it's not completely weak but if you start up at the defensive front which we will look at defensive tackle um it's not great uh you don't have really anybody and and there is one guy kind of moving up the line here and christian barmore um, but that's it. He is the only current first-round prospect at the defensive tackle position, which is not great. And again, according to this, he's sitting at 24, which means there's a very good chance he's gone before we have a chance to get him. Six foot five, 310 uh, pounds. I see on these boards he is as high as 14th by PFF, as low as 49th by uh, Mr. Tony Pauline over at Pro Football Network. After that, there are some options. Um, Davion Nixon, who used to be, I think I mentioned before, kind of a first-round pick. He has fallen out of the first round. I wouldn't. I, I have no interest in Davion Nixon. I just don't like the guy. I haven't even watched him yet, and I know I don't like him. After that, a um, lot of names that you haven't heard specifically. Levi Onwuzerike out of Washington, six foot two, two hundred ninety-three pounds. Everybody knows Jay Tufele. After that, but uh, Levi Onwuzerike at forty-five is quite a bit higher. Pretty strong consensus that he is a second round pick nobody really has him outside of the second not too many people anyways but there are some for example 25 overall by cbs 
has him in a, as a first-round prospect. 23 by Daniel Jeremiah. So again, similar to offensive tackle, you look at it and say, well, it's it's Barmore or Bust, or possibly we get Davion Nixon, which is a bit of a reach. Not really. There's some other guys here that you know, the Packers may agree with, for example, Daniel Jeremiah and Levi and Wuzurike falls, and they're looking at it saying this is the 23rd best prospect in this entire class. We're getting a steal here. You come down to Jay Tufele, who's sort of a bigger boy out of USC, kind of a straight-up run defender. Um, pretty strong consensus second or possibly third-round pick. Um, after that, you got a pretty big drop from 57 down to 74 at Jalen Twyman. Then you got to drop all the way down to 87, and that's where you get sort of a big old pile but again, we're kind of getting down into the third round range. Tyler Shelvin, 6'2", 346, very massive human being. Tommy Togiai out of Ohio State, 6'2", 300. Alim McNeil, which somebody asked me to go over. I will do that possibly tomorrow out of NC State. And Marvin Wilson, who has fallen dramatically out of the first round. He was, um, and I never really understood why. He was not a, I was not a big fan of Marvin Wilson, but he has fallen from top 10 pick down to pick 93 uh, defensive tackle out of Florida State. So they kind of come in bunches, and it's really just going to depend. I mean, it, it, you know, if the Packers are picking somewhere in this bunch, there's plenty of guys, but it's entirely possible that because there's a lot of dry spots. So it's kind of in between what you see with um, offensive guard and what you might see with, for example, wide receiver. There, there's there's enough here that you could possibly get them, but it's also entirely possible that you end up just completely missing out if you don't kind of prioritize this relatively early. Now, it is a position where you can find talent later. You don't necessarily have to get a defensive tackle early. It's not going to hurt, obviously, but this is where it gets to be hard to prioritize. You know, well, what about linebacker? Well, what about, uh, you know, corner? Well, what about wide receiver? What about all these other positions we need? Why you do? Well, all right, fine, we'll wait. It also is going to depend on what the Packers are looking for. Do they want another Snacks Harrison? If so, Tyler Shelvin's going to be available kind of later. Possibly can grab him in the third round. If you're looking for a guy that can generate pressure, they're probably going to go a lot earlier because obviously that's the most important thing in football is pressuring quarterbacks. As far as edge, this is it used to be really bad. It's actually shaping out. I mean, if the Packers want it, and again, this is another pick that would make the Packer fans furious, it's um, sort of the opposite of wide receiver where it's all real top-heavy and then it kind of thins out when you get to where the Packers are picking. Um, now it's kind of, you know, Gregory Rousseau is the top guy sitting at 14 and he's falling. Quiddy Pay is sitting at about 17. You got uh, Aziz Ojolari at 27, Jalen Phillips at 28, Carlos Basham at 38, Jason Owe at 40, Joseph Asai at 41. So there's a huge pile right here where the Packers are picking. And again, I don't necessarily anticipate that, but you could see that being the case where, you know, they end up loving a pass rusher. Let's say it is um, Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. There's two boards here that have him as high as 15 overall. Now, most of these guys, you know, there are, excuse me, 12. There's a 12 here. So it's kind of, I mean, somebody has them at 89. Somebody else has them at, you know, several in the 50s. So a lot of teams might be looking at it like, I don't really want them. If the Packers are looking at this guy as a top 15 prospect, and that's sort of the that's sort of the issue. If he's a top 15 prospect and he's sitting there, he's going to go. And, and when you have a big pile of really premium position type, type players, which is what the Packers are going to prioritize early, I don't know that it's impossible. So, you know, be prepared for that to be a possibility. After that, it does start to thin out a little bit. You've got uh, Joe, Joe Tryon at 56. You've got Patrick Jones at 61. You've got Ronnie Perkins at 73. Rashad Weaver at 90. So you're getting, you know, two, three, four per round. But there's, there's sort of becoming a pile right at about where the Packers are picking. I don't expect the Packers to actually pull the trigger there. I, I just want to make you aware that there is a slight possibility that there's going to be an edge rusher that is going to be an incredibly high value as far as the Packers are concerned when the Packers pick comes um, at pick 29. Cornerback is starting to feel kind of like a second-round thing, but, it, but again, it depends on what the Packers think. Remember, Jair was largely at this time of the year seen as a second-round prospect, and then he ended up, you know, the Packers traded up in the first to get him. But you got Patrick Sertan, Caleb Farley, and J.C. Horn are the three top corners, and they're going top 15-ish. Then there's a drought all the way until 44. And so you say, well, okay, so then it's not a good range for the Packers. Well, again, it depends on what the Packers think of him. You got Asante Samuel sitting at pick 44. Um, obviously, you got some guys, he's as high as, let's see, 23 here. 
Somebody else has him at 30, which is right in that range. 33 is right in that range. You got Eric Stokes, cornerback out of Georgia, six foot 185. Somebody has him as high as 27 on their board. Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, 30, 31, 31. There's three guys that have him as late first-round picks. Now, on top of all that, again, similar to what I said with offensive tackle, you could look at some of these guys and say maybe they'll like him in the first round, but if they don't, there's a ton of options in the second round. So we got all those guys I just listed, Asante Samuel, Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, that could possibly fall. If not, you got Sean Wade who's falling. That's basically a slot guy, but he's like an elite-level slot corner. You've got Elijah Molden out of Washington sitting at uh, 63, Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, and Paulson Adebo, who's sitting at 77, but again, a lot of guys kind of, we're talking early fourth, or excuse me, early third, late second uh, range, as well as Aaron Robinson, cornerback out of UCF. So um, if the Packers, and again, you can only pick two people in the first two rounds, but if the Packers wanted to prioritize corner in the first two rounds, there's a lot of options, a ton. After that, maybe not as much. And again, first round might be kind of tough in terms from a value standpoint, depending on what the Packers think. Um, but there are plenty. And, and actually, even, even as I go through this, there's a massive hole here in uh, between 176 and 231, which is about as big of a gap as I've seen. But really, all the way through pick 176, Robert Rochelle, there's corners every fifth or sixth pick. I mean, there's just a ton of corners in that range. And if we're talking 175... We're talking about all the way through the fifth round. So from the first through the fifth round, there's a billion corners. So um, definitely a lot of options there, and, and I would definitely anticipate the Packers picking up somebody in the first five rounds. Linebacker, obviously a lot of people are concerned about it. There are several names. Um, it, it is somewhat of a thinned-out group, but nowhere near as bad as some others, especially through, what is this, pick 81? So through the middle of the third round, which I guess only gives the Packers about two opportunities unless somebody falls, but I don't know if I want a linebacker after the first three rounds anyways if we're really going to take this seriously. But Micah Parsons falling a little bit. He's long gone. Um, he's sort of, There's always like one guy that's this elite prospect that's always going to be there. This year it's Micah Parsons out of Penn State. After that you got Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. If you look at... Um, my most recent, I guess I shouldn't, spoiler alert, but the Packers did get uh, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa in that mock draft. Not impossible, and it's one of those things where if he falls far enough, and, and a linebacker could, the Packers could conceivably trade up and not have to give up a ton. Um, but that's obviously dependent on a lot of different factors. Zayvon Collins is a guy that I like a lot out of Tulsa. Don't know if he's necessarily a great fit. Coach Hans tends to think maybe not necessarily in terms of what it is we need, but who knows. Based on these boards, these guys are all long gone, though. JOK at 16, Zaven Collins is currently sitting at 18 overall. Again, they could fall because they're linebackers, but if they don't, then they're long gone. I mean, that's quite a fall, if you think about it, from uh, 18 all the way down to 29. After that, it does thin out. In other words, like I said, through the first three rounds, there's plenty of guys, but this is kind of a rough stretch um, from... 19 or from 18 where Zaven Collins is you got to go all the way down to 32 which is Nick Bolton from there you go to 47 at Dylan Moses and from there you go to 60 at Chaz Surratt but you've also got Jabril Cox out of LSU who I like at 64 you've got Cameron McGrone at 75 you got Pete Werner at 79 and you got Baron Browning at 81 so there's a pretty good pile in that late second early third round range Unfortunately, after that, it, it really, I mean, from 81, Baron Browning, I got to go all the way down to 163 at Merlin Robinson. So an 80-person drop from mid-third round to about mid-fifth round. And there's probably about three more guys through the end of the draft. So um, there are some guys. It's not super stacked. And, and again, it's it doesn't super line up with what the Packers need. There's not anyone really there in the first round. I mean, maybe, depending on what they think about Nick Bolton or some of these other guys. And after the third round, it gets real thin, so it's kind of you're kind of limited in terms of what you can do. And then finally, we've got uh, safety. Um, again, it doesn't really match up for early round picks, but if you're looking to get somebody later, there's plenty of options, which is it does kind of match up for what the Packers need. I don't think it's a dire need for the Packers at all. But early on, the only real first-round pick right now is Trayvon Morey, got a TCU. Used to be Javon Holland, 
but he is starting to fall into the second round. So again, early on, there's not a lot. You got one first round guy, you got like one second round guy. Then you got to go to Andre Sisko sitting at 65. So now we're in the third round. Paris Ford is at 78. So this is where it starts to build up a little bit. We're in the third round. You got Andre Sisko, Paris Ford, Richie Grant, uh, Talanoa, Hofunga, Efete Malafanwu, Hamza Nasraldin. These are all kind of third-ish round. Fourth-ish round guys are Darius Washington, Caden Stearns, Richie LeCount. So if you're looking for mid or late round safety prospects to kind of fill out the roster, I think there's going to be plenty. So I think safety does kind of match up for what the Packers need if they want to address it at all, and it is certainly a possibility. But overall, I guess I'm, I'm not super thrilled with where the Packers are sitting um, just because of the way that things are um, in terms of needs. I, I do think offensive tackle is a very strong possibility. And again, this, this board is going to continue to shift. But just as it stands right now, there's a lot of guys that um, are not only there, but are, are potentially great values. You, you can realistically list about four guys, and it, and it is a premium position that the Packers would take, unlike some other questionable positions like linebacker. And again, as I said, it's not that they never would. Um, they're they're going to stick to whatever their board says. However, the way that these boards usually work isn't a linear board where you got one guy on top, and if it's a linebacker on top, that's who you pick. They do it based on tiers. And so you're going to look at the highest tier that still has people in it, and you might have five guys in that tier. That's when you start to look at needs. That's when you start to look at um, at the value of the position, which is why you might not see the Packers taking linebacker very much because it's not just a matter of whatever guy is at the top. It's a matter of if you have a linebacker at the top, but he's also competing against a tackle and an edge rusher and a quarterback and all this stuff, the Packers are just going to take, and a lot of teams are going to end up taking the position of need and the positional value that, that is better than a linebacker, which is most of them. Uh, wide, wide receiver is an option, but it just doesn't feel like something they're planning on doing. Cornerback, it doesn't really line up as much right now in terms of guys that are available. Defensive tackle, there's not a lot of options. Um, edge, again, it, it lines up perfectly. I don't know if they're going to go that route or not. It wouldn't really super surprise me. But again, just based on needs slash how the board is stacking up right now, I think offensive tackle probably makes the most sense to me personally. But again, this will all shift over time. Anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.